The Career Establishment's Talent Talk Asia podcast is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the all-in-one CRM for ambitious recruitment businesses. Founded by Asia-based recruiters back in 2012, over a thousand recruitment companies choose Vincere to accelerate their growth. Whether your business is contract, temp, executive search or perm, if you're looking for a new breed of tech partner, talk to Vincere. Visit vincere.com io forward slash talent talk asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast hi i'm andrea ross your host and in this series we feature some of the most successful talents from across the region to discuss the forces opportunities and challenges that are shaping the corporate landscape if you're keen to be a guest on the show then please reach out Hello, podcast listeners. My guest on Talent Talk Asia today is Neil Dybel, General Manager of Hudson Singapore. Neil was what you would call a lifer in the recruitment business, having spent over nine years with Robert Waters in Sydney and Singapore, reaching to Associate Director of Financial Services. He spent six years at the Allegis Group as their Regional General Manager, Singapore and Malaysia, and he was the MD for Pure Search. And he did a fixed-term contract with MasterCard as a Talent Acquisition Manager. He has now joined Hudson at the beginning of 2020 to continue building out their brand in Singapore. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Yeah, good morning, Andrea. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. It's Friday. I'm, I'm feeling happy. I'm thinking there's only a few more hours before I can sit and eat pizza and uh, drink a bottle of wine with my husband. So I'm feeling good. How about you? How, do you, yeah. how are you feeling about Friday? Uh, absolutely the same. Short week. Uh, I've had a good week. Feel really excited this morning. Great opportunity to spend some time with you and talk about yeah. you know um, my past and, and the business I'm with now. Yeah, the Hudson dream. Let's see. Let's give it a go. Now, we've obviously known each other for a really long time since um, you, you were working in Sydney for Robert Waters and, and obviously me in Singapore. And I mean, when you came up to Singapore, and obviously we'll go through that journey in a second. When, when you came up to Singapore, you're one of those really annoying recruiters that's got a really good hit rate. So you used to absolutely bugger up my KPI metrics completely because obviously you'd just sort of send a few CVs and every single time they got they got interviews and got the job so you're one of those people so I really respect your opinion when I ask this question on what do you think really makes a successful consultant what is that? You know, that's a great question right it's, it's something that we're asked on a regular basis um, I think you've got to be passionate about what you do for a living yeah. you've got to absolutely love being a recruiter Right? You've got to be prepared yeah. to, to outwork your competition every single day. You've got to be prepared to get out there, shake hands, meet people, try and identify what a great relation looks like. Yeah. I think you've got to be authentic and genuine when you talk to people. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've always talked about relationships, but at the end of the day, it's building trust. You know, yeah. if, if you can't build trust with your clients and candidates, you're going to struggle to be successful. And yeah. I think that was a key piece for me. It was. And I think, if I'm sort of remembering what, you know, the, the sort of big motivations for us to get you up to Singapore, <clears throat> I think we were at that time with the banking and finance team where it was, 
there was roles coming in, the you know the, the hit rate was good, the making money that was all fine. But from a relationship perspective, it wasn't it wasn't great, right? It was the you know we weren't really necessarily socialising as much. We were only early days, but then as the business got bigger, it, we didn't really sort of had that time and attention to it. And obviously, you were kind of the that that guru down in Sydney that the relationships that you had with clients, particularly in financial services. So. So now we're obviously fast forwarding to the way the market is now. For those junior recruiters that haven't established their their relationships, though, right? Because that's kind of a bit. Yes. It's it's all well and good saying, oh, you know, just you can get through it having those relationships. What if they haven't got them? What if they're just entering into it, or they're just you know they're new into that sector? How can yeah. I establish those relationships kind of virtually? Yeah, I mean that's that's probably the challenge for, for most recruitment firms right now. Yeah. You know, the model has changed where you are bringing people in at an entry level, trying yeah. to spend time with them, teach them, accelerate their learning curve. But, but ultimately, yeah. you know, how do they build relationships? How do they spend time with clients? And I guess if they take a long-term approach and, and don't look at it as yeah. a sense of how do I pick a role up, but how do I learn about my yeah. client? How do I understand their pain points and teach them the right questions to ask? Yeah. You know, behave like a, like a business person they're more likely to get airtime with their clients and the more time yeah. they spend with their clients and more likely to, to learn and come across, um, you know, as, as being their genuine self and an opportunity to build that trust. Yeah, but it, it, it is, is, it is challenging. Yeah, no, absolutely. I know we'll probably get more into that a bit later on with perhaps what, what challenges you're facing now within the business. So what do you see as kind of typ- typical sort of common mistakes that some recruiters can make? Because I think it's quite nice to hear that if you are – if you are currently not hitting numbers, well, you probably aren't hitting numbers, but just, you know, what are the things that generally people sort of fall down on and, and don't hit their targets from your experiences as a as a manager in, over the last few years? Um, I think they've got to trust the process. You know, um, people like you and I have been running businesses for long periods of time. We know the mm. hard work that went in when we first started. Yeah. You talked about me moving to Singapore. I've been in the industry at that stage for nine years. Uh, I moved yeah. to Singapore. You know, I know I've got to go out and I've got to make, the, you know, the, the 40, 50 calls a week. I've got to go out and do 10 client meetings a week. You know, it wasn't I think you were doing, do think you were doing more than that. <laughs> you, were, you were like doing a 10-hour day and then you were going out drinking until about one or two in the morning and still able to do candor review at 8.30. It was like, yeah. Jesus, I just, feel, I just want to apologise to your wife and your kids right now because I don't think yeah. they probably saw you for the first year of oh. that. It was a very challenging <laughs> first year in Singapore, but I loved it. I mean, the market had just returned after GSC. We, um, you know, we were building a great team, right? So you had to get out there and, and work harder than everybody else. And, and, yeah, and that's was... probably the hard piece for anybody coming into the industry. They, they, they might miss that. They see somebody mm. sitting next to them who's tremendously successful. Yeah, and, and they've yeah. built those relationships. They've got that trust. They've got that market credibility. But they put the hard work in. So you've got to be prepared to, once again, outwork somebody sitting next to you to yeah. really get up to speed quickly. So if they're not able to do the, the, the dinners or the coffees, that whole kind of face-to-face interaction, how can they try and achieve that virtually? If I look at somebody starting right now, I'd be spending yeah. time within my talent pools, right? So who do I know? Who works in my market? How well can I understand them? And truly find out what they want from us as, you know, as industry professionals rather than what we're just providing them. Yeah. You know, the, the average call from a consultant is pretty unimpressive. So if you can help people to really um, <laughs> lean into those conversations and help them get better at a faster rate, you know, they, they're going to they're be advocates. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure most HR heads at the moment are just, God, I've had about 20 calls from recruiters this week. Yeah, it's got to be different, hasn't it? Um, 
what do what what can consultants what can sort of consultants do particularly though in this market to succeed other than what you've just said now you're talking about process what does what does that look like when you're saying I know I'm changing my questions up all the time I told you that right. you, you, just, you just have to rock and roll with it don't you um when we, when you were talking about process what does that look like then in terms of someone being successful on a week-to-week basis in this market right now so if, if I was starting today and I was starting in a certain vertical, I'd want to make that really tight. Right? So if I was starting once again in accounting and finance within bank um, as an accountant recruiter like, like you mm. were, mm. I'd want to understand who is in that market, you know, where they sat. I want to spend time with them on the candidate side initially to get to understand them, really figure out what, you know, what they were looking for, what their goal, skills and interests were, rather than just calling them transactionally and saying, hey, Andrew, I've got a great job for you today. I know we've never spoken yeah. before. And yeah. so I'd start there. Like the one thing that clients want from us is for us to be able to help them attract and retain great talent. Like yeah. that, that is what we are there for. Yeah. Um, it's interesting but- actually that you've said that because quite a lot of the phone, quite a lot of the chats I've had, not just on podcasts, but just gen- in general, is there so much emphasis on the client side. And I, that's, I think maybe it's because we've grown up at Robert Walters, but as was always a massive focus for candidates because candidates become clients, right? It was just, it was just the evolution of time. It was, you know, that long-term relationship, they would always switch over. Um, So it is, I I agree with you completely hundred percent, just having that focus. Um, But I think also you're just able to get way more information as well, aren't you? In terms of what's going on in the market and stuff like that. So, let's 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 talk about all the juicy stuff now let's get on to sort of the differences in (laughs) (laughs) differences in all the different recruitment firms that you work for yay so obviously you worked at waters in sydney and singapore legis pure um it's pure not there anymore it's pure shut down now it has right they have shut down in singapore yes they've shut down in singapore now right yeah okay so talk me through the sort of the differences in those businesses and i suppose also from a personal level what did you learn along the way on the way when you were working at, at all those at all those places yeah i mean um I, I guess i was blessed you know I, I got an opportunity to work with some great leaders right so you know, I was able to fight my way into Robert Walters in Sydney. It took me 14 different interviews over three different job categories. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, only 14? Only oh, 14. That, you, did, you, did, you did all right, actually. Yeah, and, and so <laughs> the, the last interview was uh, from a guy called Ben Talentine and asked me whether I liked ben wine, or, wine or beer. <laughs> ben Talentine. Ben name out of the past geez and then i um i worked with you know dick and james in sydney um Mm. both the guys were very guiding allowed me to understand how to build teams dick talked about hiring you know local young australians and helping them get into the business that's where the market was james um, taught me how to write emails uh, and respond to clients professionally so that was sort of my development there they gave me a lot of freedom to, to run the business and, and work within those client portfolios. Jo- James will cool. love. James will love the fact that you've just said that um, the only the only development he gave you was how to write an email. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot more to it than that. <laughs> Tell me about the differences in how they're run, though. Just from a, yeah. I mean, obviously, Rob Walters is quite is quite unique. So, and obviously, I have no experience anywhere else other than Rob yeah. Walters. So, I'm interested to know. What, how different were they, not just from a leadership perspective, but how they're around, whether that's values, process, developing staff, all, all those, one, you know, yeah, all those wonderful things. So, like, you know, um, lucky enough to have the opportunity to work with you and Mark here in Singapore. Mm-hmm. And the way that you ran your business, you guys were extremely focused. 
right? Mm -hmm. You were relentless with how you wanted to set the business up. You set great standards around what could look like and, and you celebrated outstanding performances rather than just average performances. Yeah. And, and people knew yeah. what they were expected to do. Like mm. it was a clear pathway, which was great. Mm. You know, and how did I, that Sorry. You know, I was going to say that I moved across to Talent 2. Um, yeah, how did, that comp how did that compare? Uh, talent 2 was, you know, pitched as, as a mature environment where people were able to cut, sort of come and go and do as they needed to do. Um, yeah, so a little bit more flexibility then. So you think it was a lot more yeah. flexible because we weren't really that flexible. Let's be honest. It was 8.30, no. candid review. You know, there was pretty strict KPIs. Um, it's probably changed mm. a lot more now, but, it, you know, back in the day, um, it was a lot more structured. So so was Talent 2 just, was it was it more mature, experienced uh, consultants that allowed yeah. a smaller business or what was the, yeah. what was the difference? That, the that was the theory of the way that it was pitched. Um, what I didn't realise at the time... <laughs> Was it, even though I the thought I was, pitch. I know, even though I thought I was a bit of a, uh, you know, an individual rogue when I was at, at Walters, going yeah. into an environment that had no boundaries was really unsettling for me as a leader. Was it? Interesting. So actually was, without even realising you'd been used to that, so you probably excelled without even realising you're in that environment. So getting you out uh, of it was probably a bit, Ugh. Absolutely. And then, you know, um, Allegis came along. Uh, oh, before you, before you before you get onto the before you get onto the acquire mm. when it got um, acquired, when you say no boundaries, what what do you mean by no boundaries? Just um, mature environments. You know, they don't necessarily want to try and develop and help the people. It's more of a case of just facilitating them. You know, right. they work they work under an umbrella company. Um, right. They tend to run their processes differently across different desks. There's a lack right. of consistency from a client oh, viewpoint. Okay. Okay. And then I, I, then I found very quickly um, you, you almost end up um, in an environment where you, it's harder to cross-sell because you don't trust the person's capability next to you. Right. Got it. Because yeah. you've got yeah. no consistency of knowing if you're not doing the same sort of training and development, then everyone's Absolutely. sort of out for themselves. Yeah, it's hard to gauge the competencies. Yeah. Interesting. Talk me through the, the acquisition side then, how that impacted your role and, and, and the company. It's um, Allegis come along, um, you know, huge company. Um, they acquired us across Asia Pacific. So right. un un unsettling time once again. So some of the, probably the most challenging time I'd gone through. Um, what way? When you're bought by a different company with an amazing culture, you try and figure out where you fit within that. And then right. Talent 2 was extremely different to the Allegis culture. What way? Um, Allegis is American, right? Allegis is American. It's very What was yeah, Talent 2 then? Uh, Australian firm. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Slight, slightly different then, yeah. Yeah, so it's different. Like I worked for Walters as a British firm, then I worked for Talent 2 and then in through to Allegis. You know, what I loved about the Allegis piece, I worked with um, Chad Lane, Scott Anderson and a guy called Steve Householder. And, mm. and it was really around how do you win the hearts and minds of people to help integrate three different businesses. At the right. same time frame, they were focused around um, getting into the details, the X's and O's of recruitment. And really right. getting into the detail, like that was a massive gap for me as a leader. And when so, you say getting into the detail, then what 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 does that look like? That could be simple, sitting at a desk with a, with a, a recruiter, basic consultant who's just started their career, and, and really understanding how they were sourcing for the day. Right. Yeah, like it was, you know, at desk level reviews. Um, it required me after fifteen years to really learn about recruitment again, like why we recruit, how we recruit. Um, I worked with a guy called Zach Vogel and he, he challenged every view I had on the, on the industry and what really? clients and candidates thought of us and, and how we should be responding. Like it was a phenomenal so, journey. Is there any examples you can give of that then and what you mean by that? Because obviously 
I, I suppose people that are listening will, would sort of be quite keen to know what you mean by challenging you on, because I would look at it as being fairly simple, the, the, the recruitment industry. So yeah. what, you know, what do you mean by sort of challenging you on that? If you can remember. It, yeah, if, uh, look, one thing that stood out for me, and it probably took me too long to get my head around it. We, we used to run a program called Voice the Customer. Seemed, oh, yeah. ve- seemed very American to me at the time. Uh, and that really was just calling clients, understanding what they wanted from our industry, what their wants were and what their frustrations were. Uh, and then when you really understood that, then all of your training and development came back to those topics every single time. Right. So, so, so it was so a real looping back and the whole feedback piece as well. Yeah. So, so it, drove, it, it drove the why for me. Yeah. Like it it okay. gave, gave me great passion around our industry because I, I felt that I could yeah. change it. Yeah. I, I like that. Okay, so it's sort of the, you're collecting insights, but also collecting feedback, and then looping that back into the, the how you're running the business and the training development piece. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and we found that we could accelerate new consultants at a much faster rate, you know, through these mm. insights, rather than just going, "Hey, you need to do more because we can't teach and coach you." Interesting. Yeah. You said before three brands. So, what was the? Th- what was the other we're one? In Singapore, we were Talent 2. There was a brand called yeah. Aston, Aston Carter, which they had oh, acquired. Oh, yeah, yeah, So yeah, a, a British yeah. firm and then uh, Allegis. So uh, three different right, businesses. Right, 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 right. Okay. Yes. Was Aston Carter more the I- – was that more IT? Absolutely. More Absolutely. IT, right? Right, uh, ba- okay. Bank, banking IT. Banking IT, right. Okay. Um, so what, what, do you, what would you say that some of those businesses that you've worked for – well, we actually, we didn't get onto the pure one <laughs> – that was pretty short though, right? So talk us through that. What happened there? I don't think we've even talked about this, to be honest. <laughs> Before? <laughs> Do you need a beer? Do you need a beer earlier on to talk, talk about this? <laughs> and so it's for, for, for me, look, great opportunity. Some really great people uh, within the business. It just wasn't a fit for me. Um, we questioned the viability of the Singapore business for a long period of time. The team was kind enough to squeeze me in. The role should have been in Hong Kong and ultimately it didn't sustain. Why is that? Why, why should it have been in Hong Kong? The, the previous leader, a guy called Liam Richardson, had built an amazing business in Hong Kong, very mature, very structured, very successful, very well mm. thought of. And in Singapore, it had been, um, it had been a rebuild over many, many years. Well, wasn't Liam Richardson from – was he from Robert Walters before Liam Richardson? Uh, was I getting yeah. him muddled up? I think um, that was uh, muddled up somebody else. Oh right, okay. Yeah. Another another Liam. Yeah. Okay, so okay, so you so that was a pretty short stint then, basically that one. Yep. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, so so what do you think that what do you think those businesses, as a comparison, got did really really well, and what probably they didn't do that well? It's a very yeah. wide question, I know, no, but right. <laughs> keen um, to hear your. For me, training and development, right? Just setting the foundation for what good looks like. Right? Whether mm. you call it, you know, the, the Hudson way, the Allegis way, the Walters way, so that mm. people have an understanding of what they need to do to be better and, and to yeah. set those processes in place allows you to really sort of scale a business correctly because everybody yeah. is working in the same direction. Yeah. But firms that are boutique and have a nice niche feel about them when they try to scale, it's very hard because they don't mm. have a rock-solid foundation. Mm. And that training development doesn't always have to be external. It can just be simply on the on the cheap oh. <laughs> pace setting leader, right? Just being able to yeah, watch I, someone in action doing it, right? It doesn't have to I, be expensive. No, ideally, if you have a mix of, of you know, internal and external, that, that's fantastic. 
But what, you know, when I'm thinking training and development, I'm thinking, you know, making sure we can help, you know, our consultants qualify roles correctly. You know, yeah. what are the details? How do they get into it? How comfortable are they with it? You know, yeah. really making sure that they can, they can lock down that requirement so they increase their chances of success. Nobody yeah. wants to work on a requirement that, that, you know, they know from the outset they're never going to fill. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're just not going to get that buy-in, are you at all? No. They're just going to feel quite frustrated. Um, what would you say? What would you say over your whole sort of career would be your biggest accomplishment? You know, what did you learn along the way? One of your biggest. That's hard to define, I'm sure, but go yeah, and go is. for it. It is um, something stands out for me was when, when I had the opportunity to just to, to integrate three businesses. Like that was the, the most challenging thing I'd ever done from a career viewpoint. Not so much around the recruitment, but but leading a business. How do you bring people together? You know, once again, work with some great people. Help me structure it. We went through the way we changed commission structures, the communication around that. Rolling well, stop, it out. stop there on that commission structure side. And so, what was involved to even get to that point? I mean, what ha- you know, what did you do? Did you have to come up with something completely different or amalgamation of that? What, 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 talk us through that. Yeah, so for me in Singapore, we were the only country that had three different operating entities with three different commission structures. So I worked really close oh. with my CFO. You know, mm. at one stage, he had collated information across the region. I think he had 157 different types of commission structures. Oh, man. So it was. Like, oh, 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 wow, that's a headache. Uh, so it was identifying what, what really drove the men and women that work for us. How do we compensate yeah. them correctly? Yeah. And so that, that was a great experience. How did that go down when you changed it? Because obviously it's all well and good being able to integrate that across those businesses and people mm. can expect that. But also for the individual recruiter if they're having anything taken away from them <laughs> they're not going to be happy so how did they you know how did the communication was there any drop out of that talk me through that I, I think if it's positioned correctly you communicate um over a long period of time we ran dual commission structures to get people's heads did around you? it did you we shared right. data it was very clean and it, it's something that we've done um with hudson as well like it's hard to oh, change really? commission structure but as long as you're open and honest and you show the data and there's a benefit yeah. and you explain what behaviours we're trying to drive. It makes a lot of sense. And did you get dropout when you redid that, when you were um, early just, did people drop out as a result of that? Not, not of the commission structure, but the, the change of focus. You know, we had people that had joined, once again, a, a mature working environment in their head um, and we were moving it towards a high-performance culture. So you, you're going to have those individuals drop out. But more importantly, look, we selected you know, great billers who just didn't fit the company culture. You know, right. you, you couldn't build something around some of these people and that's okay. You know, they've gone on to be tremendously successful in other, in other organisations. Right, okay. You yeah. mentioned, that was really interesting when you said about the, that that was one of your biggest accomplishments. I, I know that there were some other things you wanted to say on that. So the, the whole integration piece, the commission structure exchange, what changed, what else did you do um, that, that was involved in that integration, what you learned from that? I mean, we set very clear career pathways. Okay. M- making sure we understood how we could move people through their careers. And, and, and they were different to how they were being run in the UK and different to how they were being run in the US. Really? They was, yeah, they were set for purpose for, for Asia Pacific. It what, was more titles? A different market. <laughs> different steps. <laughs> okay, different and it, steps. <laughs> and and we, it, it, was, it was not only around... Um, continual success but around behaviours and impacts you had on others. Like you, you couldn't go into a leadership role until you had trained, developed high contract record. Just because you were a biller just basically bought you a ticket, didn't allow you in, inside. 
Right. Um, so that, that, that was some pretty cool things that we were able to do. That's that. That was really interesting. I'm really interested to hear to hear. I'd like to hear more on that, but I know that we're going to be here for probably a couple of hours if I do get into that. What What would you say? What would you say out of all your career, whether it's a recruiter, as a leader, across all those brands, what would be the one thing that you'd say? God, that was actually I really buggered up there. That's you know one of my biggest failures. If you're if you're comfortable sharing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Look for me, like I should have moved to Singapore 20 years ago. Like that, that was number one. We kept telling you to come, but no, oh, you no, were no, you liked your yeah. Sydney life. I, I said to why Sarah, was, my, why was that then? What? Sorry, go on. I, I said to Sarah, my wife. I sort of said, you know, when we arrived, and, and she was a, uh, a big motivator for me to move. And, yeah. You know, when we got here, I said we should we should have come ten years ago. Um, so you know, understanding, admitting that mistake, would I have been right at the time? I'm not sure. Um, it's worked out well for me since I've arrived. Um, so there, there's no. You know, I don't, don't look back with, you know, any sadness. So I'm pretty excited with the time that we've been here. Yeah, it's gone yeah. really quick, hasn't it? So, so how long Absolutely. in Singapore now then? How long How long have you been here in Singapore? We're uh, coming up to 11th year this year um, gosh, in September. Gosh, 11th year. Well, that has really flown by, hasn't it? Yes. Okay, so your biggest failure would be, that was such a cop-out answer, by the way. You so didn't give me That's anything. Right. That was I'll, I'll you, 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 so, you so totally avoided that one. No, no. I'll give, I'll, give, I'll, give, I'll give you another one. So for me, um, I, I wasn't open to feedback as a young recruiter. So yeah, okay. Why was I that, was, do you think? I don't know. Like, I always had that edge to me. I want to do it my way, right? doesn't mean it's correct. And so you could talk to my father. He would say exactly the same thing. And I see it, right. I see it in my daughters now. And oh, so oops. it was the, the <laughs> inability to, to, to seek feedback and be accepting of it. And so when I got to that stage, things really changed for me. So how do you try and encourage that with the people that you lead? I think once I understand, like once I understood somebody truly cared for me and they had my best interest in heart, they'd spent time with me and we had a, yeah. like a, a real, like didn't have to be a personal relationship but a trusted yeah. relationship, Yeah. Th- then I was more open to feedback. But that took me time. Yeah, yeah I, I think you're right. I, think, I wasn't open yeah. to it. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I don't think people are going to be that, they've got to, res- you've got to respect the person that's giving you the feedback for a start, haven't you? If you don't, if you've got a manager that's giving you feedback that hasn't built in a year and it's, <laughs> pointing the finger you're not necessarily going to take so much of that feedback if you don't respect them I suppose yeah it's a good point um so let's look at let's let's look at sort of running high performance businesses you know you've managed multiple teams over the years so uh, you know I'm keen to uh, for you to share some advice to our listeners you know if you were to sit down with say a emerging leader that was about to build a team up from scratch what advice would you give that person to to be able to succeed at running a high performance team Talent Talk Asia is brought to you in partnership with Vinceri, the all-in-one CRM for ambitious recruitment businesses. Visit vincere.io forward slash Talent Talk Asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast. As crazy as it sounds, I think you've just got to start with the people. You've got to have a team that has great work ethic. You know, they've got to have yeah. great character. They've got to be the type of people that will do the right thing when they're not being watched. Yeah, uh, good point. Unless yeah, you have that foundation, like it is yeah. so hard to build on anything. I think, you know, like you did, you've got to have un- uncompromising expectations around what great looks like. You know, mm. standards, standards have got to be set and they've got to be the same for everybody. And mm. they've got to be clearly communicated. Once everybody knows, you know, what your expectations are. 
But I think the challenges for a lot of people is actually just getting the right people on board and thinking you've got someone good, right? So has there been times where you thought, yep, this person is great, they've hit the numbers, blah, 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 but actually completely bad culture fit? Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, Throughout my career. What else else makes a team highly, you know, create, achieve greatness? I don't keep wanting to come back to, to training and development, but you've got to invest in your people. You talked about feedback and it's got to be real-time feedback. And that, that's something that I wasn't great mm. at early in my career. And, you know, I, I learned through a couple of leaders that I worked through, you know, how to deliver feedback. You know, I've given training on how to deliver feedback, how to receive feedback and how to build on that. You know, mm. I've been really lucky that people have invested their time with me. Yeah, so it makes, it makes quite a big, yeah, it makes quite a big difference. How does... Um, you know, oh, perhaps I'll just, will I go on to Hudson now? No, I won't get no. on to the Hudson bit yet. Okay. So um, what do you what do you think sort of consistently corrodes, well, erodes, that should be the right word that I use. What do you see that companies do consistently that erodes a company's credibility or position in the market? Because sometimes you can just see it really openly. And some businesses just completely take a nosedive yeah. and you see it coming for, for you know, years before. Yeah. Uh, um. It's the revolving door of recruitment. I mean, we all talk about it. Like, you know, if, if you're calling a client and you are the fourth board call them in, in a two-year period, why is the client going to spend time with you? Like, why are you any, yeah. any different? And so yeah. I think a, a lot of uh, leaders in our industry and a lot of sales industries, you know, is the continual move of the next person into the company hoping that they will fix it. Yeah. Right? There's clearly got to be a root cause within, the, within your organisation that needs to be addressed. Right? You've, yeah. got to, you've got to know who you are. Like yeah, you've got to know what you want your piece. business to be. Somebody once said to me, they said, you know, if you want your business, uh, if your business is a, as a rock star, a rock concert, don't explain to people that it's a ballet, you know. Yeah. And, and if you are, you are a ballet, don't say you're, you're a rock concert. <laughs> right? Just, just be, be honest, own it. Yeah. And then identify yeah. people that are going to fit within that. Yeah. You know? and That's the prepared. hardest thing, though, the turnover piece, though. I think Absolutely. I... I'd, I think it's hard. I mean, I think we were getting up to like 35% at one stage when, mm. you know, because the high volume of consultants in there as well, it's bloody hard. Yeah. No, but no, I think piece. you're right. Yeah. That Just spend, spend more time on, on interviewing, spend more time screening people out of the process, making yeah. sure that each time you hire, you identify who's the best person in your organization and use them as a benchmark. You know, yeah. I think, I think we're all guilty where we say, here's the lowest entry to barrier. And we allow yeah. people into our organisations based on that. Yeah, and I think there's still that that high amount of bias as well. You know, there's we all know that kind of unconscious bias piece that comes in where, you know, you, you look at people that might be quite similar to yourself, whether it's education yes. or background, and you get into that. You know, by having a panel interview or at least getting to see different types of people in the business, at least that at least that uh, you're able to evaluate that talent a little bit um Bias-free, so to speak. But like yeah, I, I, I went through a phenomenal interview process with Hudson. Did you? Yeah, in like what a, way? An amazing. Like I mean, you know, so as expected, the initial conversation, get to know each other, you know, share a little yeah. bit more. Two or three of those conversations, just to make sure there's a cultural fit, there was some buy-in that I'd fit within the team. And then as we get into the more detailed side of the interview, you know, we went through. I went through close to five hours of online psychometric evaluation. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah, Assessing w- w- what? Assessing what, though? Oh, the, the way that I look at business, the way that I respond in certain situations. Right, you know, okay. Prior, prior track records. And then the, the, okay. I guess the most interesting piece for me was 
you know, I was lucky enough to be flown to Sydney. I spent uh, once again five hours with a psychologist. Um, wow. Which part of our... Confirmed that you were bad or? Uh, well, I, <laughs> I don't know what their shortlist was like. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, they're, they're part of our, we have an in-house talent management team. And so, you know, we, we went through real life scenarios uh, yeah. over a five-hour period and it was the most draining experience I'd ever been through. Like it yeah. was, it, was oh, it sounds like it. Yeah. But it, I suppose it's a great way of getting, you know, filtering people out of that process, right? If there's specific values or specific competencies they're looking for in that leader, yeah. that's a great way to do it. But that's a lot of investment, right? That's a Absolutely. lot of investment. Uh, absolutely. I, I worked with a lady yeah. called Janine, Janine Jackson, who is, uh, runs our internal talent acquisition. And, based and, in Sydney. Uh, based, yeah, she's based in Brisbane. And Janine based in Brisbane. W- right. w- walked me through, kept in contact with me over a very long interview process. And at every stage, I knew exactly where I was, what was happening next. Like it was, it was unbelievable from a customer service viewpoint. Interesting. Because yeah. that's been going for a few years, hasn't it, in terms of anyone that used to interview with Hudson, you'd have to go through this assessment. Because yep. I remember hearing about it years ago. So yeah. I'd never, ever interview with Hudson because I know that I would probably completely fail anything. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, had, I, had, I, had the, I had the same view. I had the same view. And then having gone through it, uh, the psychometric evaluation side, I never saw the results. But, you know, having the interesting. They didn't share them. That's interesting. I, I, I'm sure I can, I can get access to them yeah. um, if I want to. But for me, the, the, the interesting part was the, the real-life role plays. And it wasn't yeah. to do with running a recruitment firm. You know, yeah. they put me into a what position where I'd be the CEO for a textile company in, yeah. in, in northern UK. And, and <laughs> in the north of UK. That's yeah. brilliant. I've never been did there you have, before. Did you have to put a northern accent on as well as you're doing it? No, did you have to sound like Elwood? No. I did have to go and buy glasses, though. There was a lot of reading involved. <laughs> <laughs> That is just that is that is interesting. Do you have to do that for anyone coming on board to Hudson Singapore? Do people have to go through that kind of um, rigorous process as well? Yeah, so we do. We do do online assessment around motivators and drivers. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. And, and then obviously, you know, it's not the old SPQ goal. It's an in-house tailored version around. Right. Their, That's their just what I was going to ask actually. Sales. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because I know I know Randstad use Hogan because that's something mm. I've I've used in the past, but yeah. um, I know a lot of people use it for certain levels of people coming in, just mm. if it's they're quite a critical hire and stuff like that. We, we so do, you, we use it at, at a senior level, and, the, and we also then build it into some of our senior searches, right? and we also then offer the service through our talent management team. Smart. Yeah. And that's been going for quite a long time, though, hasn't it? That that service. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the team's been here in Singapore for over twenty years. Um, you know, and you can imagine how busy they are right now with a lot of career transition. They're, they're sitting with clients, yeah. helping them understand what's going on. You don't hear so much about it, though. I'll be honest. I don't sort of hear t- too much about that service. It's more sort of the recruitment side. Is that is that because the consultants is that it's just something you don't necessarily advertise or? Yeah, I mean, I mean, career transition is a challenging one. Like organisations don't really want it to be public knowledge. They want guidance, right. and, guidance and help. Yeah. And so, you know, we have uh, a team of about eight here that, that have oh, great right. relationships with, with different organisations and government bodies right. Right. And, and, and help them understand, you know, what's the best way to look after their employees, particularly if they're looking yeah. at, at, you know, headcount reductions. But I, I, I've always thought when Hudson set that up years ago, well, whenever they set it up in Singapore, I always thought it was just really smart because it just meant that there may be clients that they were really struggling to get into on a recruitment sense, but they're able to 
build those relationships or offer that service elsewhere, right? It was just, it's just simple, but you've, Absolutely. obviously it's a cost to run. It's obviously a cost to run that as well. Have you seen consultants move from that, from recruitment into the psychometrics or into that side or not? Not, not within the team that I work within. Um, you know, I've, I've heard of people doing it previously. They tend to move into sales role. Right. Okay. Rather than into, I guess, into the nuts and bolts. There's a lot of training development that obviously needs to go through lots of study. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Um, so let, let's get into the let's get into the Hudson. Now, you know, there's no secret that over the last that you know, Hudson has had a bit of a, I suppose, checkered past over the last few years with, you know, we've seen quite a few MDs come and sort of come and go. Um, mm. I won't say come and go within months, but you know, the last one that we had that lady that was in there was only in there a couple of years. So um, did that sort of worry you when you were approached for that role? I mean, how did you feel about that? Honestly, I was excited. As crazy yeah. as that sounds, I mean, Hudson's been an organisation I've had an eye on for a long period of time. Um, my wife, Sarah, worked for them 20 years ago in Sydney. Did she? She did. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, and I've got, I've got a lot of friends who are with the organisation in Australia or ex-Walters people. So that relatively good insight. I had a couple of people I knew yeah. here. Yeah. Um, they didn't know I was interviewing. Um, you know, I okay. was politely pumping them from information around what the culture looked like. So I felt like I had a, a, a good picture of what, you know, what I was interviewing for. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I was excited. Like, it's a great business. Why were you excited about that then? Did that not worry you that obviously with pure, you know, going down the toilet, were you concerned about walking into another hot frying pan. No, look, I look at a business like Hudson or you compare it to, you know, Legis or Walters, like they've got credibility in the marketplace, right? It's an opportunity to go out and re-engage with clients and candidates. You know, they've built some really good relationships and so have, you know, and we have some great people in the business. So it's, it's how do I continue on that? Uh, the opportunity to do a startup, which really was what I had to do with Pure, probably yeah. doesn't fit best for me. Right. Yeah. So, so this one was more, uh, more established. Into- so the plan that you had when you first got the job, you know, and you hmm. sort of what 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 did sort of the first, you know, the plan that you had initially. Now that you're there, is hmm. it the same plan, or has that changed in some way? You know. Yeah, I mean, the, the plan for me is always going to be a people plan, an operations plan, and, and then mm-hmm. a customer plan. I um, mean, that's some of the training I've learned over the years. So from yeah. a people viewpoint, um, was try and spend time getting to know the people within my business. How have, you, how have you gone around doing that? It's obviously, it's a bit of a challenge for you right now. You got in and then came in uh, in February, absolutely. then COVID hit. So yeah, how's that I, been? I give, my, I give myself a 7 out of 10, you know. <laughs> I, love that you, I love that you rank yourself on that. <laughs> oh, so a 7 out of 10. Like, it's challenging. Like, you know, you, you start in a brand new office where everybody's looking at you saying, you know, why are you here? We're used to somebody different. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so those she relationships take time. Uh, I, I have, I have no doubt. I have no doubt. Uh, and and you know, you, at that stage, you, you haven't hired anybody. You know, you haven't had that equity built up from a trust view. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And then we're having to move very quickly to a work mm. from home, which, yeah. which is something that yeah. most people in our industry had never done before. So, how long had you been there before you had to go into? Because you joined February, right, twenty twenty. So, so when did th- they go into? Thirty, 30 days. Oh, geez. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and we, we, were, we took a very conservative approach. We took our time. 
There was no rush to move work from home. We followed the government's guidelines. We made sure that we then um, restricted is probably the right way to put it. We didn't encourage people to go and spend time with clients and candidates. We wanted to keep them safe right. and right. in the office working together. Right. What, I've, what I've noticed with the business is they've got a really tight culture. They love working with each other. Do they? And that's why they come to. That's why they come to the office each day. So, being able to keep them together was probably the key piece for us. Ultimately, so when ultimately when it got a bit more challenging, we did split the teams into two. Did you? And right. the hard part was there was that you know we wouldn't allow them to cross over socially and or on weekends. And that's a really hard message to to you know, have to deliver to a group of people yeah. that, that that didn't know me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a hard message for anyone, let, yeah, let alone when you're trying to build that relationship. Um, what did the first 60 days look like then? I mean, obviously, half of it was face-to-face, half of it was lockdown. So what, yeah. what, were, you, what were kind of your, your main priorities in those early, in those early weeks? Well, I, I wanted to understand what Hudson was rather than thinking, you know, what could I drive from my prior experiences? So I had to spend time mm. to truly understand, you know, how, how did we work with clients? Who were our clients? How did we treat them? How did we train the people that joined us? What were the expectations that were set? What did mm. good look like? Mm. Right? And so it was being able to, to really understand where our base was, what our foundation was, yeah. and, and then having to make, you know, some tough decisions around some personnel whether in the business. Right. And then to help our leadership team understand, you know, what I expect from a day-to-day yeah. basis, what good yeah. looks like, right? yeah. and challenge their, their I guess, their, their view on that, which isn't easy. No, it's not easy. But then, no. you know, you just have to be able to, for people to trust that you've done it before and you've done it well before. So people just have to trust that. But it does take time. Absolutely does, does take time. Yeah. What surprised you the most about the business? I guess the people, you know, like you and I had watched the organisation five years ago when they were very small. Um, then they. I'd also they grew seen rapidly. it when it was, but I also remember it when it was as big as Robert Walters. It was our mate. It was our Absolutely. main competitor in you know twenty mm. years ago. It was always just Robert Walters and Hudson, and then it just sort Absolutely. of went down. And then, but so so when you said um, the people, is this a team of people that? have worked together for quite a long time? Are they a new team? No, they're, they're, they're a new team. So leadership team, I think the leadership team had been together for about three, three and a half years. So right, they, they right, were still okay. re- relatively new. Um, they were tight. They Once again, they like working with each other. Great. So coming, in, coming into that business, you know, that was what I was really pleasantly surprised at of how close people were socially, Right. Um, how much they liked working with each other. Whereas yeah. other organisations I've worked in, it's, it's not necessarily um, as cohesive across across the wider group. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. what's this, what, do you, do you mind sharing the size of how big Hudson is in Singapore? So w- when I started with the business, it was forty five. Right. Total or or fee earners. Uh, total uh, fee earners. Fee earners. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that is got, quite sizable. They'd, yeah. They'd gone through some rapid growth um, and some rapid scale. So I suppose I mean, we we all know when a fee earners go from thirty to forty five, that's quite a big that's quite a big jump, especially when it comes Absolutely. to trying to manage or try and focus on productivity. Has productivity been been an area of focus then for you in terms of those forty five fee earners? Because I appreciate I'm sure not every all not everyone's necessarily hitting numbers, right? So is that sort of a big focus for you in terms of your plan? 
yeah, to build absolutely. that team up. I mean, they're, they're things that, you know, I've learned from people like yourself. Uh, and so you, you wouldn't believe my, you know, my focus around great activity. God, I can't uh, believe that. You used to hate me when I used to go on you with metrics. Jeez. I know. I, I, I had was a, so I had a, not you years I had ago. A, I, had a friend of, <laughs> I had a friend of mine from um, Amazon Web Services reach out to me and said, oh, strange, I ran into one of your consultants, uh, you know, and they were saying very nice things about you and, and your, rel- your relentless focus on activity. Oh, my God. She goes, just, can I just double check? Was it Neil Dibel you were talking about? <laughs> hey, see how things change, Dibel. See? It made, it, made me, it made me laugh. One, one thing, you know, and I have learned, obviously, activity is important. If we can teach people how to have um, better quality engagements with the humans yeah. that we deal with, then yeah. we can ask them to do it more and do it consistently. Yeah, and se- sensibly as well, isn't it? It's not just, yeah. you've got to just be careful. It's not just numbers. It's just got to be backed by quality or otherwise you just never, you know, you just, you don't want to be that kind of no. KPI manager where well, you'd never oh. be that anyway. Um, no, no, and that's not me. But and doing like, it sensibly, yeah. The, the activities that I'd always focus on is, is, is time with people. Like yeah. go and, and, and spend time with your clients, go and spend time with the candidates. Like yeah. figure out the difference between, you know, an average candidate and a good candidate. That's, that's great. Our clients can do that now. But how do we find the great talent that Absolutely. other people cannot connect with? And that's, that's the activity for me. Love it. Yeah. Spot on. I love it. Describe for me your style of leadership. Have people described it to you perhaps or how would you describe it? You can't see this distance, but he's grinning. Yeah, <laughs> it's like so cringy for you, Neil, isn't it? When I ask these questions, I love yeah, it. You could have taken yeah. it off, but let's leave uh-huh. it in there. <laughs> um, collaborative is probably the best way to, to, to put it. Um, yeah. You know, I want, I want the best for my people. Mm-hmm. You know, o- over the years I could have and I should have pushed people harder. Right? What, and, what, what in the past made you not do that? Uh, I think what, held I look, you, what held you back? Well, if I look seven or eight years ago, it's, it's you know, the, wanting to be liked, what I think is normal behaviour in a leader. Yeah. I'd, I'd say, yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. I think you, like, relationships I, and collaborative is always something. You're always bringing teams together. You all, you create yeah. great relationships across, well, particularly yeah. across Royal Waters. Yeah. yeah. So you so, felt so, then that you didn't necessarily push as, as much as you perhaps would now. Now you don't need to be the nice guy. You just need to make good decisions. Well, it's not even that. It's like I, I think of it, you know, uh, coaches who've had a great impact me, of me over my sporting career or personal trainers that have had great impacts. Yeah. leaders that have had great impact you know they spent time to get to know me they've pushed me beyond what is comfortable yeah and then once that once you're comfortable right then you're able to push again right mm. and can continually mm. help people achieve mm. great things mm. like that, that, that that's exciting that is exciting that's really and I'm, it's nice to see that you sort of reflected i suppose on what was in the past and how, how it looks now for you, how different that is. Yeah. Um, what, are, what do you think the people of Hudson are looking for? Have you asked that question? Is that something that come up? What do you need from me? Is that someone that's come up? Yeah, I, I, I do ask on a regular basis, what do you need from me? Once again, it's got to be the trust level where they feel comfortable to share that with me. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you mentioned the business has had four or five leaders over the last couple of years. I, I work mm. with a a really lovely guy, XKPMG, who runs my accounting and finance team. He said he's had nine leaders, nine managers. Jesus, bloody hell. So, I, so, I guess... so there is going to be a little bit of a trust issue, right? They, they are yeah. going to be weighing you up. They are going to be seeing you in it for the long term. 
Yeah. It's going to be a concern for them, right? So what would yeah. you say if they're listening to this podcast, which I hope all 45 of them are, how would you respond to that in terms yeah. of um, what you're here for? Be open to feedback. Be open to change. I, I look at any business, regardless of what the industry is right now, I think mm. our biggest challenges is we're looking backwards in the revision mirror of what success looked like previously. Yeah, yeah, good point. Absolutely right. good point. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And, and so we've, we've got to be comfortable to, you know, tear it down, break a few things, yeah. realign the business, yeah. reset it, and get, yeah. ready to grow, get ready to grow again. Yeah. yeah. And I suppose also having that inner drive, you know, getting it back, because everyone's probably feeling a little bit <laughs> demotivated, um, getting everyone back on track. You know, hopefully in the next few weeks, people will be able to at least be back in the office. Is that something that's happening with you guys? What's what's, hap- yeah. what's happening from a getting back into the office perspective? So, so once again, taking a conservative approach, following, following the government guidelines, government said our industry can go back into the office from next week. We, we feel we're operating well enough from home. We feel oh, that's so interesting. engagement. Yeah. See, that's just so interesting. I'm hearing, the same, I'm hearing similar things from other companies and I just find that fascinating. Do you think that the new norm may be that you don't fully go back 100% over time? What, what, yeah, has look, that been I, a discussion point? I, I, I'd like to believe that we, you know, we have a lot more trust in our systems. We've always trusted the yeah. people, but a lot more yeah. trust in our technology and systems. And we've, we've made massive investment in that over the years. Right. And so giving them the chance to work from home, it actually works. And, and it's not a case of waking up on a, on a Friday with a hangover and going, I'm going to work from home today. It, it's putting structure in place where yeah. you know, there's a plan. So they're going to be productive. Yeah. yeah, I think it is. I think it's just, what, what have you found that has worked quite well with the business working from home and what hasn't, what have you learned from it that hasn't perhaps gone as, gone as well? Yeah, so we, we spent a bit of time before we started work from home. Other firms went before us. Right. We, we split into teams. We tested it out. We did a trial day for the whole office. Okay. We then brought everybody back in. We set guidelines around what we would expect on a day-to-day or a week-to-week basis of what good looks like because you're no longer measuring people just on revenue because the market yeah. has slowed down. So how yeah. are people going to feel great about their day and their yeah. achievements and, and what yes. they're doing? Yeah. yeah. So you're realigning, and, and then, you're realigning everything then in terms yeah. of expectations. Yeah. Yeah, and then the I think like a lot of firms, like we set a lot of touch points up early on um, and probably to the point where there was too many, we were concerned about the human contact and how people felt. And, yeah. and, and some people said to us, hey, look, you know, I, I need more time. I need to get on with my day. So being able right. to... Interesting. Okay. So switch it up. Different, different people need different things. How has uh, it been from a mental health perspective? Um, have you found that, you, that there's had to be a different approach to certain people? As you're saying, everyone needs sort of different things, but, you know, a lot of sort of I've seen sort of from various firms where they're doing sort of uh, exercising virtually together or they're doing pub quizzes or, you know, and I just love to hear these things. Yeah. Is there anything that you guys are doing that's worked quite well to keep that team to teams together? Yeah. And so we've, we've tried different things. We've tried virtual lunches where people can dine at lunchtime. It doesn't always work. Um, one thing yeah. that has worked really well for us is each week we move a different group of four or five men and women into a different Zoom call and they don't know who they're going to dial into. So they're outside of the bubble that they work in. So tell me about when you mentioned about those breakout rooms that mm-hmm. people were going into and it was not work related then. So you were jumping in on those as well then? Yes, yeah, so I'd, be, I'd be allocated to a different group of four people every week. 
<laughs> I really like that. I've yeah. not heard that one before at all. I really like that. It was nice. A lot, a lot of people saying, hey, look, you know, I haven't spoken to somebody from the financial services team because they yeah. were in technology. And we yeah. thought, what, what's the best way to do this? Simple. Yeah. That's just uh, so simple. And, and we feel, you know, four or five people, you can have real conversations. I love it. Yeah. I really like that. I think that's re- I think that's very impactful and just really, really simple. Um, what do you want the business to achieve? Where if we're sitting having wine at the end of the year, which I'm really hoping that that happens, face to face, bottle of wine, down at Boat Key. Mm. What do you want to be relaying back to me of what you've achieved and what the business has achieved? What would make you happy? Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a it's a great question and a very challenging question. Mm. For me, I, I want to make sure that I can keep the men and women safe, you know, over the next period of time. And sometimes it's holding people back before running back to the office, take our time, make sure we're set, make sure mm-hmm. we're doing this, doing this correctly, get it done once, mm-hmm. do it properly. Mm-hmm. I, I want to make sure that the men and women are, um, are still engaged. You know, they understand what they're part of. You know, the business may not be the same. You know, all industries might change over the next 60 to 90 mm-hmm. days. Mm-hmm. Right, so it's understanding that. You know, I'd love to believe that we've aligned our businesses to the right verticals rather than trying to do a little bit of everything. I, I want to be able to continue to work on you know, what they've achieved so far and help the business understand the client and candidate relationship and how they can continue to build that trust so they're able to walk away from unequal partnerships that we all have. And feel mm-hmm. comfortable mm-hmm. with that because mm-hmm. you know we have choices around who our partners are, um, and being able to really—my wife says I shouldn't use this word—but lean into those relationships. I love that. See, I'm, help, a, I'm a loving the whole them. lean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what risks and sacrifices do you think the business are going to have to take to get to that future state? I, I think we're all we're all going to be guilty of what history is. You know, history can't be our benchmark of what success looks like. We, mm-hmm. We've got to be prepared to mm-hmm. take um, changes, break a few things, tear a few things down, and really set, use this time to reset businesses to where we should be focused, right, on what our, what our clients and candidates want us to do for them. Like, it, it, it's, it's pretty exciting. Like, it's not a challenge. It's, it's generally exciting. Like, that's the cool part of where we're going to be. Like, humans have adapted and overcome everything thrown in front of us yeah yeah absolutely so this is this is a this is a pretty cool time very much so it's been an absolute delight as always catching up with you i'm excited to sit down and have a glass of wine at the end of the year oh me too playback playback the podcast um and have other stories to talk about um it's been really it's it's been really interesting um i've really found it a fascinating podcast just to get you know in some of those areas that you were talking about i didn't know about so it was it was really really good and good luck for thank you good luck for this year for hudson absolutely look i appreciate the time today um absolutely you know blown away when you when you gave me the the chance to talk yeah good luck yeah awesome thank you see you cheers You have been listening to Talent Talk Asia podcast by The Career Establishment. To learn more about The Career Establishment, our people and our latest thinking, visit us at www.thecareerestablishment.com or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook.